This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back. You're listening to The Morning Run with Chong Jensen, Philip C. and I'm Wong Xiaoning. It is 8.36 Thursday, the 9th of February. And in about 30 minutes, we have the opening bell where we check out how Bursa Malaysia begins the trading day. But in the meantime, let's turn our attention to Malaysia's public healthcare system because it's once again in the spotlight with claims of people experiencing overcrowding in government hospitals surfacing on social media. The Star has reported that patients are seen holding on to their own IV bags and some waiting long hours to be treated or even turned away due to the lack of beds. Meanwhile, Code Blue conducted a survey among more than 1,600 public healthcare workers across the nation and the results showed an alarming figure of 73% of them thinking about quitting the government health service. Some of the reasons cited were heavy work burden, understaffing and unfair pay. So what are the comprehensive solutions that must be considered to prevent the collapse of our healthcare system? For some answers, we speak to Dr. Kaur Sui King, co-founder of the Malaysian Health Coalition. He's also one of the 13 members of the Health White Paper Advisory Council. Good morning, Dr. Kaur. Always good to speak to you. Now, we're beginning to see claims of overcrowding in government hospitals. What is your sense on the scale of the current crisis in our healthcare system? Was it similar or is it similar to what we experienced during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic? Thank you, Xiaoming. It's a pleasure to be back. Uh, I must start with a caveat to say that I'm speaking my personal capacity and not representing the Health White Paper Advisory Council. With that caveat in mind, uh, the answer to your question is as follows. This is uh, the current scale of the, the scale of the current crisis, uh, to use your words, is similar and not similar to the previous crises uh, that we have faced in Malaysia previously. We have known since 2018 when the Auditor General's report of Malaysia shows that public hospitals, specifically the emergency departments, have been overcrowded, understaffed and underfunded for very many years. And this Auditor General's report dates back to at least five years ago. So is this crisis new? No, it isn't. But there are also new components to this crisis, the the one that's happening and unfolding before us today. And that is the pent-up backlog from COVID, uh, um, people without COVID cases, uh, sorry, people who had non-COVID diseases during the COVID pandemic. What I mean to say is surgeries were postponed, regular schedules were postponed, sometimes indefinitely, and that surge of demand um, is now picking up again. Another psychological reason may be that uh, in some good ways, the public is now perceiving that hospitals are safe to go back to because they may perceive that the COVID threat has receded. And this could be good in some ways because we don't want people to go um, to not seek healthcare when they need it. And we want them to come to emergency rooms if they truly need healthcare. So these are three structural reasons why um, the current crisis is different from previous ones, but it's really coming on the back of uh, some fundamental structural challenges in Malaysia's healthcare system. Firstly, our underfunding. Secondly, our um, policies for human capital. And thirdly, our policies for how we're organizing healthcare delivery. How many um, public hospitals versus how many private hospitals and how many primary care clinics versus hospitals. These are fundamental structural elements of Malaysia's healthcare system that's been there for decades. And this current crisis may be straws that break the camel's back rather than new and fresh crises that we've never experienced before. And uh, Dr. Ko, um, besides the structural issues that you mentioned, what has brought us into this situation that we're in right now? 
there are a few reasons um, that are precipitating the crisis. So what we're, um, and let's assume that we can continue using the word crisis because crisis means different things to different people. Certainly the system is being stretched uh, and I, I don't want to uh, create the impression that it's panic stations all around, that uh, everything is completely free, but it is true that the system is currently very, very stretched and we must uh, perform short-term and long-term resuscitation measures to improve the system. Now, your question is, uh, what is precipitating the situation? What's brought us to the situation? There are straws uh, that breaks the camel's back, and maybe they, here are several. One, um, COVID has caused, uh, maybe there's a lot more people who have COVID in the community without realising it, and COVID causes all sorts of non-respiratory um, circumstances as well as conditions as well, and maybe that could be causing um, a surge of patients coming into healthcare today. The second reason for the surge of patients coming to healthcare is a pent-up backlog that I described just a few minutes ago. The third reason for the surge, up, a surge in, in capacity is perhaps because patients have been going for two years uh, without, uh, let's call it um, attention, not necessarily healthcare that they need, but also social attention, psychological attention from doctors and nurses and uh, um, paramedics who are paid and have a moral and ethical duty to care for these people. These are several reasons uh, that could be precipitating the situation, although the situation has really been present for very many years, even decades right now. So in the short term, what immediate actions can the government take? There are. It's very difficult to answer this question because of the very deep structural issues that we need to look at. But here are some um, immediate actions that the government can take. Firstly, is to acknowledge the scale of the problem. And acknowledging the scale of the problem requires uh, political courage. It requires political skill and political will. So it's courage, skill and will. And these are three separate things that the government of the day, any government in any country will have to acknowledge. Um, a close parallel is to look at uh, the NHS or the National Health Service in the UK, currently also facing what they're calling a winter crisis. It's like a routine. Every year uh, during winter, there will be a crisis in the NHS. And every year, um, everybody in NHS says that uh, it will be uh, the, the end of the NHS as they know it, and yet they manage to pull through. Do you know why? Uh, okay, here's my theory, at least, for why NHS uh, in the UK and Malaysia's Ministry of Health pulls through. It is a tribute to the frontliners, to the doctors, to the nurses, to the paramedics, to the pharmacists at the front lines. And these are the people that were totally indebted to. Now, your question is, in the short term, what are the immediate actions that we can do? Acknowledge the problem, but very quickly move on to fix the human capital problem, meaning an acknowledgement of the plight, the misery, sometimes the difficult working conditions that many of our frontliners are facing, especially in public hospitals, and do something about that. Now, it's not just a matter of more pay. It's also uh, more pay for doctors because doctors are perhaps underpaid in the public sector in Malaysia. It's also non-financial, like workplace safety, no bullying, no harassment, proper working hours, enough time to rest, uh, proper on-call schedules without burdening yourself and your family. And finally, dignity and respect. Now, all these things require a basket of solutions. There will never be a magic solution that any government will be able to implement. And then the quicker we, Malaysia, move away from our dependence on magic solutions and go towards a basket of solutions for human capital, all those things I listed, especially dignity, the, the better it will be for us. The final thing about uh, the immediate actions that the government can take is actually a basket of measures to reduce um, the people coming into um, the emergency department, for example. Can we use digital health come, um, to create a digital front door for general practitioners or digital health to act as a gatekeeper? 
Meaning, before you come into emergency departments, you must go through a doctor to assess whether you truly need emergency care. All the way down to the other end, the very downstream component of um, getting patients who are discharged from hospitals to leave the hospital and go home so that the hospital bed can be freed up. Usually, people who stay in hospitals even after they're discharged are not staying in hospitals for medical reasons, but they're staying for social reasons. For example, nobody's at home to take care of them. Therefore, we can see uh, just by a short explanation how mm. complex it could be, but with a basket of solutions, it could be uh, more helpful for Malaysia. Okay, Dr. Kaur, some very uh, useful suggestions coming from you, be it uh, the plight of the doctors. But I wanted to look at the health white paper that's supposed to come out in the middle of the year. Will this white paper have the courage, skill and will to address some of these long-term structural problems and maybe incorporate some of the solutions you just mentioned? The health white paper is intended to be a high-level statement of intent. Um, and it's looking at very structural issues uh, that are beyond events. When I say events, is this sense of crisis uh, is almost permanent in the Ministry of Health. It's right now um, more visible because there's so much media and social media attention on it, as it should be because healthcare is very important to us. The point I'm making is that the health white paper is not intended or designed to solve events uh, that are, shall we say, more... Uh, semi-permanent, temporary or ad hoc. Not suggesting in any case that uh, this this is a semi-permanent condition that will go away. We have to fix it with permanent solutions. The point I'm making is that the health paper is a high-level statement of intent for the reforms of the entire health system and not responsive to events. So that's one. Number two, your question is about uh, will there be political will, courage and skill? The answer is I hope so. And uh, we, uh, all of us, are not just in the uh, advisory council, but also the health ministry, the advisors to the Minister of Health, civil societies, uh, private sectors, uh, common citizens, ordinary citizens like you and me. All of us have a role as citizens, voters, taxpayers and users of the system, the health system, to advocate for enough political will, skill and courage uh, for us to not only table it, but also to, uh, to, to make it successful. Now, thirdly and finally, I'll say that uh, the health white paper is intended to be tabled in parliament. Um, there are very important issues that we need to address. Uh, for example, financing. Who's going to pay for all this healthcare? Number two, human capital. How will we treat our doctors and nurses well? And number three, organization of service delivery, which means how do we organize between public and private? How do we organize between clinics and hospitals? All this requires major political decisions. And we hope and want that uh, the government of the day uh, will take these difficult political decisions. The final point I'm making is that the health white paper um, is intended to um, guide these reforms, but also to introduce things like the Health Reform Commission, because the paper is a paper. We need somebody to uh, shepherd these reforms, guide so these reforms, supervise these reforms forms and a piece of paper cannot do that. The the um, hope is that uh, the government of the day will tackle the biggest issues and not shy away from them. My second hope is to say that the health white paper should not be weaponized. It should definitely be a, a statement for the entire Malaysian population and not used for any political tools by either side of the aisle. Okay, thank you very much much for your time. That was Dr. Kaur Suikeng, co-founder of the Malaysian Health Coalition. He's also one of the 13 members of the Health White Paper Advisory, but of course what he just said to us is in his private capacity. Now, I think it's really important that this white paper doesn't become, like he says, a political tool. It needs to transcend not this government, not the next government, but for the next few governments because we need longer-term solutions to what is a structural problem in our country. Yeah, I think that's why he was also a bit 
I think he found it challenging to kind of address the short-term issues because you it's really structural problems here. But he made a very interesting point that you if you really want to address the structural issues, you have to look at the frontliners. Yeah, and you first have to acknowledge that there is a problem. Yeah, I think the government also has to realise that funding is not the sole issue and merely increasing the budget for mm. healthcare will not solve the problem. As Dr Ko mentioned, there needs to be political will to solve many issues at place such as medical workers, welfare and even their career progression. Because if this continues, many may not want to be in this profession and may also look overseas to further their career. Which is already happening as we speak. Up next, we'll be diving into what to expect from Parliament's full first full sitting post-GE15 with analysis from Dr Wong Chin Huat political scientist at Sunway University. Stay tuned for that, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.